right, good evening, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Good to have you. All I had to do was say Chick-fil-A and it filled the room up. I love it. <laughs> All right, hey, tonight is special. I want to I talk first about uh, the role of elders in our church. A lot of times, uh, no one really cares about the governance of a church until something bad goes on, right? Then everyone's deeply concerned about the governance of the church. But I want to tell you tonight, I believe sincerely and strongly that the health of the church can be found in the health of the eldership. And uh, 12 years ago when I became your senior pastor, I came into the church in a very broken place, but one of the reasons that the church was able to rebound and thrive so quickly is because God had granted this church with some amazing, mature, godly elders who stood right beside me, uh, in front of me sometimes, behind me, but right beside me, surrounded me with their prayer and their care and their wisdom and their discernment. And the reason New Life Church, I can honestly tell you that New Life Church is the healthiest congregation that I've ever been a part of. And the reason is because these men behind me have uh, really represented God to you and you to God. So I want tonight, can we just honor these men? I'm going to introduce them first. We'll begin to show honor to the elders of our church. Grateful to these men. So I'm going to step out of the way where you can see them. Uh, I want to introduce you, and I'm also going to tell you something about them because I want you to understand the weight of wisdom that you're going to hear tonight, the maturity, the depth of these men. You don't get to see them a lot. They're not on the stage very often on the weekend. They're not in a public place where you can really hear from them. But tonight, I want to introduce you to Brad Valentine. Brad's been married to his wife, Ann, for 58 years. Can you believe that? And Brad got the better end of that deal, I promise you. Ann is just... Anne might be the best woman in the church. I'm just telling you, she's amazing. I'm serious. I got to tell you one quick story on uh, Brad's mother-in-law. So Anne's, Anne's mom. Okay, now, now, this at the time, your, your mother-in-law was probably 90 years old. And so I just became pastor here. So it's probably a couple of years. I'd been the maybe a year or two, I'd been the pastor. So I went out after church, in, after the first service. And his, his mother-in-law, who was 90 years old at the time, walked up to me, and she had on, like, some really, really thick red lipstick. And she planted one right there. I mean, gave me the, a kiss, and it left a perfect lip mark on my face, okay? So I walked around church for about an hour with this <laughs> lip mark. And f Pam sees it, like, my wife sees this lip mark. And she goes, Brady, you have lipstick on your face. And I said, yeah, I just got kissed by this beautiful woman out in the lobby. She's 90 years old. It's one of the best kisses. It was just beautiful. It was right there, perfect. That was Brad's mother-in-law. She's one of the sweetest ladies, though. So Brad and Ann have been enjoyed. They, uh, they adopted us early on. Brad and Ann really adopted my kids and my family early on. I love them so much. Sam Cameron has been uh, married to his wife, uh, Helen, for 38 years. And they, by the way, uh, he, welcome, Sam. Sam is actually my next-door neighbor and lives right next door to me. So you don't think I'm under accountability. I am. More importantly, I'm holding him accountable, which is more of a problem than him holding me accountable. But, and by the way, i got to tell you this. I haven't said this publicly, okay? But uh, this finger is just now healing on my sabbatical, mind you. When your pastor was supposed to be resting and refreshing, Sam's dog bit me. <laughs> now, he has a different version of the story, but he wasn't there when it happened. So he's got a demonic dog that lunged through the fence and grabbed my finger and like took my, it's just now healing up, like three months later. He put his hand through the fence to pet the dog. That's right? not the way it happened. Uh, put your hand through a fence. <laughs> yeah. Let me just, if I put my hand through anybody's fence, your dog shouldn't bite your pastor, all right? I'm just saying. We don't, we, anyway. Anyway, so Sam and Ellen are great friends to us. They are just so much fun. He is born and raised in Scotland, as was Helen, and uh, they are just a joy to be around. They, uh, they run a local uh, real estate development uh, firm here in town. They're highly respected business people, dear friends. And how long have you been at New Life Church, Sam? 22 years. 22. Yeah, use your microphone. How many, how many years have you been there, Brad? 29. 29 years, 22 years. So they are not church hoppers. They, they change churches every 30 or 40 years, all right? So, uh, all right. So, uh, Chris and Laura Fowler. Chris and Laura have been married 
29 years, one year behind Pam and I. Now I got to tell a funny story about Chris. Chris and I grew up 30 minutes apart. He grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. I grew up in Logansport, Louisiana, about 30 minutes south of there. He went to the school where all the smart kids went, Caddo Magnet. I went to the other school, so we never met until we moved here. And I met them, and I went, we grew up 30 minutes away. Then I realized he ran in much more intellectual circles than I was ever allowed to run into, which explained all of it. Chris is the founder, uh, CEO, founder of Church Community Builders. Uh, They they, uh, have a ministry that uh, has about 4,000 churches that they are partners with. They do ministry all over the world. They're fantastic. Chris, we're so grateful. How long have you been in your life? You've been here probably the least amount of time of uh, of the elders. Seven or eight years. Seven or eight years. And so Chris and Laura have three, four kids and almost empty nesters. They have one still in the oven. So you got one more to go and they're empty nesters. Not in the oven. <laughs> not in the oven. Not in the oven. Not okay, the house. No more babies. Right? Oh, okay, yeah. Probably a better phrase I could have used there. Okay. <laughs> Scott and Bethany have been married 27. 22 years. Okay, but you'll probably end up being 27 if you behave yourself. So 22 years. They have two boys, uh, Scott and Bethany have their own firm. They do financial planning, financial services for clients all over the front range. Uh, they have two boys, Kate and Cole. Are they here tonight, your boys yeah, here? Yeah, they're right over there, sitting right okay, over there. Okay, stand up, guys. I want to see you guys. They're Kate and Cole. <laughs> I want to brag on these young men. Right. Oh, now, Cole, stand up, Cole. Cole just committed to play football for the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Rebs. So congratulations. On signing, oh, he'll Reb. be signing. Uh, you'll be signing your letter of intent probably December, right? Early signing period. So he'll be playing Division One football. His brother, Cade, just was athlete of the week for the whole region. Scored five touchdowns for TCA. Stand up, Cade, won't see you. Running back, five touchdowns. <laughs> athlete of the week. I like bragging on you guys. And they have red hair, too, so I think that's pretty cool. So I like that, digging that. All right, so tonight, what I want you guys to hear, uh, number one, these are, these are all, all of us are imperfect men that's been saved by grace. That is the fact. That is an absolute fact. But there's, there's miracles that have happened in these men's lives, in their personal lives, that there has been just outpourings of God's grace upon them as husbands and fathers. And I want you to hear some of their stories tonight. And as we, this is more than just you hearing a story. What our prayer before we walked out here tonight is that as you hear the grace that God has poured out upon them, what I want all of you to walk out here tonight realizing is that same grace is available for you and your home and your marriage and your kids and your grandkids and what you do in the marketplace and the same grace that we have so desperately needed as men in our lives, that grace is efficient for all of us, it's sufficient. Do you say amen to that? So I want this to stir your faith, and I think some of you walked in very discouraged about your kids, or maybe you walked in discouraged about your marriage. Maybe you walked in discouraged about the company or the place that you're working, and you're trying to find God's grace. And so tonight, as we talk to these men, I'm trying to mine out of them the stories where we all in this room can find God's grace tonight and walk out of here encouraged that God is for us and not against us, all right? So I want to start with uh, you, Brad, and you've been married the longest amount of time, 58 years, and you are more qualified than just about anybody in this room to speak to us about marriage. Oftentimes when, when I start talking about guys in marriage, I say, what's the best thing you've done? But I want to start out tonight. What, what choices did you make? What were, some, what were some of the choices you made in your marriage early on? I want you to think back 58 years ago. You're, you, got, you got Anne's hand, and you're standing in front of your friends and family saying, I do. What were some choices early on in your marriage that helped you thrive? Well, there was... Two that come to mind that really stand out in my mind, and that, and I'll explain those. One is praying together, and the other uh, is transparency. Now, Ann and I, uh, from the get-go, uh, decided we would not, uh, we'd have wonderful arguments, but one of us would say, why don't we take this to the Lord? And so, Every time one of us would do it, she used to do it all the time first, which uh, ticked me off a little bit because <laughs> I, sh- I should have been more forward with that. But anyway, we prayed over, over arguments, we prayed over our finances, we prayed over our kids, and as, as today, over 58 years, we've prayed together every night together and every morning together 
with a few exceptions. So praying together was key in our lives, especially when you have disagreements. And uh, if you're like me, I always wanted to win the argument, and so I, uh, I, over, I ran over my wife, actually. And so uh, I wouldn't learn till that night what uh, was going on. And she'd put a, a letter on my pillow, and I'd op- we'd go to bed, and I'd open the letter on the pillow, and she would pour out her heart to me, which I wouldn't allow her to do uh, uh, initially in our marriage. And uh, when I read her point of view, it just brought tears to my eyes, and I realized, you know, why, why was I so uh, defensive. And so that, that was the one thing. The other thing was transparency. I, uh, with Anne, I shared everything with her and she w- with me. And I know for some men, they feel like, well, I don't want to share some of the, my business dealings with my wife because it, it's going to uh, just make her worry and upset her and get her depressed. And that might be true. Uh, for, for certain wives. But as Pastor Brady mentioned, Anne has known the Lord ever since she was eight years old, and she's so close to the Lord that she's just like in, in Genesis 2, it talks about the Lord making a helpmeet. And uh, Anne researched that, and a helpmeet is, is a woman, a wife that surrounds, aids, and protects you. So that was... Uh, a good reason for me sharing everything. Now, about, I'd say about 54 years ago, my wife brought this up to me uh, about an experience she relived for me. And that experience was really the the beginning in which she started to really trust me. and, uh, And women need to feel secure. And, uh, she felt secure with me as that trust in me uh, from this incident grew and grew and grew. And the incident was I was uh, on a business trip in San Antonio, Texas, and I just returned. uh, I was just returning from a restaurant, and uh, as I was walking into the hotel, I saw some women there on the corner, and I just glanced at them and and went in. And then... uh, I got settled in my room, and just as I got settled, I heard a knocking at my door. And so I opened the door, and there was one of those uh, women. And uh, I slammed the door, put the chain up, and then reopened it and said, I am not interested. Then I got right off, when I slammed the door, I got on the phone and told Ann what had happened. Well, I had forgotten that. But that had such a big meaning to her that I was a righteous man that I could be depended upon and that I was not ever going to leave her or forsake her. So those are the two things that come to mind is wow. transparency. Yeah, what a great story. And it's exactly what I preached on Sunday about flee from sexual immorality. It's the one time that Paul said, turn and run when you're tempted. And that's with sexual immorality. What a powerful story. Now, I want all the guys, if you're here and you are under the age of 40, I'm giving you questions that I want you to write down because there's some guys sitting at your table right now with some gray hair. And these are the questions I take them to lunch for 30 years, I have taken older guys to lunch and asked them the questions that I'm asking these guys right now. So don't just listen to these questions. You need to write these questions down. So I would take Brad. To, I've taken Brad to lunch before and say, Brad, tell me what you and Ann did to make your marriage strive. What decisions did you make? And I would sit and listen to him tell these stories. And as a, a younger man, I'm writing this stuff down. I am, I am going home and putting to use right away what these older guys that are further along than I am have been telling me, Daniel Grothy does this all the time. A lot of us do this all the time. So I'm giving you questions to ask, and I want you to buy. You buy their coffee, you buy their lunch, and here are the questions to ask them, all right? Sam, I'm taking, giving you the same questions early on, 38 years of marriage. What decisions did you make with Helen? Well, I will say we had a rocky start. We just moved to America. Helen was very homesick, and it was really hard for her to adjust to that. But you know, God is so gracious and so faithful. And eventually I figured it out. 
And uh, what I'd say, one thing, Brady, it's Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. <clears throat> we got to give ourselves, we got to be willing to sacrifice. I remember one time when I was in my 30s, I was doing some counseling with this younger couple that were thinking about getting married. And this guy says to me, he looks at me and he says, she thinks I'm giving up my friends for him, for her. She's got another thing coming. I said, excuse me? I said, I don't think this is going to work, you know, and I don't think it did, thankfully, but, um, I mean, it didn't happen. So. Yeah. But our attitudes towards our wives, guys, we've got to be willing to sacrifice and put our needs aside. And I'll tell you, it is so amazing when we do that, how that just, the, the reciprocity, the, what happens, how your wife respects you, how she loves you, how she wants to surround you and protect you, Brad. And that's the kind of wife I have. A lot of you know my wife. She's an amazing woman. We married 38 years. Um, we have a routine. That's the other thing, you know. And uh, we have a routine that we've had for over 30 years. And I'm, you know, I can say this with great confidence. She could be sitting here. She would agree with the same thing. We get up. We're, we're kind of early morning people. We get up at 5 o'clock every day. I go make the coffee. I come back. We make the bed together. Every day we do this. You know, when we're at home, we travel a bit, and the routine gets a little shaken up then. We make our bed together, and we have some things that we say to each other then that are, you know, just between us. And, and then we sit down in a chair in our bedroom, and we pray together. And we have a list. You know, a lot of you guys in here, Daniel and some of the others, our pastors, Brady, our elder group, you're on our list that we pray for every day together. And it has, I'll tell you guys, there's nothing better than praying with your wives every day. Amen. Brad, you said it. I've been, I'm privileged. I've been able to do it for over 30 years now. And honestly, guys, it is such an investment that just pays off. You could start tomorrow. You could start tonight. Yeah. But you do, it doesn't have to be 5 a.m. I just wanted everybody to hear that. So. Five. We like mornings, you know. That's, <laughs> 5 a.m. We love it. And uh, we communicate. We also communicate very well. Transparency, communication, everything. So, yeah. And you work, tell, one thing that's unique about your relationship, Sam, is you and Helen work together. Any guys in the room work with your wife, like work in a company or maybe work in a business together with your wife? Yeah. Just speak to that just for a moment. What's the yeah. secret there, the secret sauce there? Yeah, I mean, we've worked together, honestly, Brady, all our married lives almost. And, you know, we don't work in all the projects together and all that, but we've just, you know, we're just, it just works for us, you know. We, we, Look, she's my best friend. You know, I can tell her anything. I can trust her with anything. It's, it's, not, it's not that hard. We don't always agree in everything, but, you know, who does? You know, but it just, it's, it hadn't been that much a burden. I couldn't tell you, man, it's terrible. We've had terrible. No, it's been, it's been very supportive. It's been very profitable, and it's been, it's been a good relationship. So, yeah. I yeah. love that. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I, you know, we just do it, and it works. So, yeah. Scott does too. Yes, tell, tell us about, tell us, Scott, you and Bethany have worked together for many, many years. How do you, maybe both of you guys can speak to this, how do you, how do you turn that off? I mean, is, it, is the work button always on? I mean, how do, you, how do you manage that? You know, I think at first it was a lot. I mean, a lot. We would come home and we'd find ourselves talking about it in the kitchen yeah. or talking about it in front of the kids. And so we just, we just made a rule when the, when the boys were in elementary that when we got home, business talk stopped. And once we put them down, if we needed to, to circle back around to that, we definitely would. But we try to keep away from the professional talk on vacations, on the weekends. We, do, we walk just about every night together. And um, we'll, we, we, that's, that's kind of where we download and, and process through the day. But we put some pretty clear boundaries of when we were and weren't going to talk about it. Well, while you're having the mic there, tell us what decisions did you make early on? Tell, tell us about some of the choices you guys made early. Yeah, I think probably because we work together and because we're so connected, um, we just kind of have this motto that I always have your back. And so for us, what that meant um, is, I don't know if you've been in a room or you've been, you have a friend or a brother-in-law or something like that, or, and they talk bad about their wives. Oh, I can't believe she did this. She didn't do this. So she did this. And we just made a decision early in our relationship that we were never going to talk bad about each other behind the back. And for us, that is a that is a huge staple. And we I've been in I've been in a couple meetings with her where I my head wanted to explode. I was so mad at her in that meeting, but I just kept saying, "I've got her back. I've got her back." I don't have to agree with her, but I have her back. And so for us, that's just kind of one of the staples in our relationship that's made it so awesome. 
There's nothing that's a bigger turnoff to Pam and I than to get with another couple and watch them criticize one another in front of us. And it's more than just being, I mean, number one, our words are life and death. And we can choose what we give to our spouse. We can speak life over them or we can speak death over them. But there's something even bigger than that. It's about honoring one another. You can, I mean, just, it's just a dishonoring when you, un, when you unpack your dirty laundry in front of another couple that uh, it, it shows a lack of, of honor. And, and it also it just shows a, a level of immaturity. And it's almost in every case, uh, as a pastor for, uh, for sure, Every divorce that I've ever been around where I've, I've walked with a couple from the beginning to the end where they've gone through a divorce, it has always started with harsh words. Always. Almost 95% of the time, you can, you can point to the place where their marriage began to fall apart is when they stopped blessing one another and they stopped speaking life over one another. Bethany comes from a family of yellers, so they would get mad and they would just yell. And I came from a family where I never saw my dad raise his voice to my mom ever. So the first time we were dating, um, and we are just about to get engaged, she started yelling. And I just shut it down right there and said, we are not gonna continue in a relationship if that's how we're gonna communicate and yell. And so um, that was, you know, goes into I have your back, but also just if you're mad enough to yell, go for a run. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. That is really good. Hey, Chris and Laura, so you guys uh, got married young, like, like Pam and I, and as most young married couples experience, none of us are prepared for marriage. So what, what choices did you and Laura have to make early on for it to, to, for it to work? Yeah, I, we did get married young, 19, believe it or not, and that, but we had seven years of marriage before we had kids, so we kind of grew up together a little bit when you think about it. We had the blessing of our parents. But we were, we were going to move to a different, I was going to go to college somewhere else. And so with that blessing, that was a good thing. But when, the story I really actually think about when I hear that question was about when our oldest daughter, we had four kids, we have four kids, pretty close. So at the time, it would have been a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a three-year-old. <laughs> and... Yeah. Did anybody in the room in that stage of life right now, did you, were you, somebody raise your hand if you have three or more kids under the age of 12 right now, right? All right, so, and you actually got to come to Ben's Night Out, so right? Yeah. I love that. All right, go ahead. Yeah, and, and we got, for the first chance, I think since Sydney, our oldest daughter, was born, we got to go on a week-long vacation, the two of us, when she was seven. And it was miserable for the first half of it. We, we were not in a good place and not... Uh, it, it was just, it was miserable, and neither one of us were treating each other well, but I remember something, we had some conversation about midway through that week of this is not looking good for where we would be if our life has become all about the kids, and so we kind of made a commitment, and we had a great last few days after that, and just started to relearn what it was that made us like each other when it was just the two of us originally and so we from that time on to this day have done a weekly date night together and that's that's almost a sacred calendar event for us and then as the kids got a little bit older we actually added uh, what we found was happening there was is we would talk about the kids calendars or all the kids activities or financial things and date nights still they turned into something that was more like a business meeting (laughs) and a family business meeting, so to speak. And so we actually moved, I heard this from someone else, but we've moved that around at different times, but have a lunch right now together, or or a breakfast now, it was lunch, uh, where we spend just time eating, but we always talk about calendar things, financial things, and any business of the family, so that when we have our date night together, those are actually kind of off-limit subjects for us, or those things. And I think that's been really good but I mean when you have four kids and they're running around doing everything you have to be purposeful to find that time how did you guys besides praying together which is massive massive thing what a bunch of you guys have already mentioned about praying out loud together holding hands and praying together can any of you guys talk about how you stayed friends because you're you're touching on a big topic here a lot of married couples start out as friends uh, the romance the friends Kids come along, jobs come along. If either one of them has health issues, maybe some external things like in-law issues, or can, can really, you look up one day and you don't even like them, and you're not friends anymore. 
How did you, how did, can any of you speak to the how to stay friends with the woman that you married? Can we start out as friends? How have you stayed friends? Yeah, I think I kind of was just saying that we're, we're just spending time together and not talking about everything else, like spend time for just, just the two of you. And I think I'm just now getting to get the payoff of that more so than even those years because the three of my kids are out of the house now and there's one left and and we have a relationship like we're looking forward to some of the things i mean there's a grieving process going on when your kids are leaving yeah it passes pretty quick though (laughs) (laughs) but but when you know you're going to enjoy spending the joy does come in the morning my friend i'm just telling you You may weep for a night. I think we... The joy comes in the morning. We have a lot of fun together. We laugh a lot. Um, We love... I mean, I say this because I I do travel a fair bit, and I don't like traveling without Helen. I do travel a lot without her. But if I'm enjoying something, if I'm on a golf trip or something, I'll always be thinking about her. I wish she was here, you know. So I've got this attachment, if you will, to the one I love that is incredible. And I love it. You know, I don't want any other way. And so we truly are best friends, and we, we share a lot of this similarities, and we just we like to hang out together, Brady. It's you touched on something. You mentioned a young couple that said, I feel like I'm going to have to give up my friends to marry yeah. her. And yeah. I, what a, number one, what a selfish, immature oh. thing to say. Yeah. But secondly, when Pam and I made a decision early on that we would prefer one another, that we would rather be with one another, but we would not deprive each other of time yes. with men. And with, like, uh, I have a group of guys that I've been going uh, on trips with for years now. Yep. Pam encourages me. That, Pam has a, an annual trip with some close friends. Of, she's always with some girlfriends. But when you prioritize one another, you also recognize that your husband, your wife, needs time with friends. And, and you actually... That's a joyful thing for her to go off with her girlfriends for an afternoon and allow that. And she always allows that with me, and it's a good rhythm for us. Uh, and I actually am a better man when I come back from two or three days with other godly men. I actually come back a better husband, a better friend to her, and I think that's a huge choice. All right, I want to ask both of you, any of you guys, all, all four of you, what was your biggest mistake? Uh, what was something you go, man, I wish I could do that over again. I, I really messed up. Um, I wish I, it was a big misstep. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think of early on, like it just felt like, like I said, we were we were young and had a lot of maturing to do, both of us. But I feel like nowadays I know Laura really, really well and know how to serve her well, know how to treat her well, know who she is, what makes her tick. And I don't think I was as purposeful about. I know I wasn't as purposeful about that early on, and I just think that you you. When, when the gear switches and you realize this is, this is a person who I'm here to treasure, uh, it just changes something. And, and that, that, for me, is learning who she is and then trying to, to be the husband for her that she needs. And I, I want her to be able to say that, you know, she's the, that I'm the person on, on this earth that, that treats her the best and loves her the best. And, and not just because I'm her husband, because I'm her friend. Any rest of you, Scott? I learned to ask questions. And I think as a man, we're not always great at that. And I learned that in week three of our marriage when (laughs) we had just gotten this condo and the kitchen was a disaster. I had tried to paint. I'm the most unmechanical person on the face of the earth. I will hire somebody to do light bulbs in my house if I can find them. (laughs) And so she's walking out with Graham's and she turns around and she says to me, we've been married for three weeks. Just do something about this kitchen. That would have been a great time to go, what do you mean? <laughs> but instead, I'm like, oh, I'll do something about this kitchen. So I call my brother. I'm like, bro, get a crowbar. Come on over. So we gutted the whole kitchen. Like, she came back. I scraped the floors up. Everything was gone. She came back. There was a refrigerator and pipes. And Wait, the- you thought that when she said, what are you, when are you going to do something about the kitchen, you immediately interpreted, she wants me to gut the whole thing. Right. And yeah, I there did, were some questions that you maybe should have asked. Right. Right, go ahead, go ahead. This is a great story. I've never heard then, this story. Yeah, and then I called my brother, who had been married for like two months, so obviously he had marriage figured out. And he's like, oh, yeah, dude, she means got it. So, <laughs> when she came in the door, the look on her face was not, there's my man. It was, there's uh, something else that we're not allowed to say in church. So, anyways, um, $14,000 later. Um, Wait, how much? crowbar damage. Well, I mean, I ripped the cabinets. Like, I broke the... Like, I didn't know you could just take 
cabinets off the wall. If you could just hit them with a sledgehammer. And they, you know, there were some bad decisions made that day. <laughs> this was without alcohol. And so, um, yeah, so after that opportunity to learn as a man, um, I, I ask questions a lot. If I don't get it, I'm like, so you want me to go where, when? I mean, <laughs> what did she want? Now we all want to know in this room, what did she really want you to do in the kitchen? You know, I've never circled back around to it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she got, she got a new kitchen in the deal. I don't know. I don't know. You ask her. <laughs> I, I, I won't. All right. What are you guys? Well, uh, regarding what was the biggest mishap uh, or decision I made that was negative, was uh, about, well, maybe 10, 12 years into our marriage, uh, I allowed our household to get in deep debt. We uh, couldn't afford new carpets, we put in new carpets. Couldn't afford a nice RV trailer to, to go camping with, we bought an RV trailer and things like that. So we were in, in debt and when you're in debt, you can't really serve the Lord. You're, you're really shackled where you can go and where you can't go. And fortunately at that time we were going to Jack Hayford's church, Church on the Way, and they had a financial uh, planning uh, uh, seminar that we went to. And we took uh, copious notes and we did everything that we were supposed to do. We made a budget. Oh, that's just something funny that Pastor Brady might not remember but I've been using it even lately, is that when you have a budget and one of you want to go over that budget, you instead of you saying no, you say, let's check with Mr. Budget Man and see what he would say. I want to do it, but Mr. Budget says right. no. Right. So anyway, we followed those steps, and within two and a half years, we were out of debt and free. And the only thing I re regret is that after we were out of debt, Ann and I were laying in bed one night, and I was brought to our attention. Father God said, you haven't thanked me. That just devastated me because we had, he was in it all the way, and uh, we hadn't thanked him for it. Of course, we got on our knees and thanked him. But uh, on the other subject of, of why... Um, Anne is such a good friend to my, of me. And we've, let me tell you, every year we're married, it gets, it gets better. And the only, and I know the reason is, it's like that triangle where uh, at the base of the triangle, you've got Anne and you've got Brad and you've got the Lord Jesus on top. And both of us have always done our devotions. We've always drawn near to, to God. And I just see Jesus in Anne, and so I just want to be around her. And uh, I'm so thankful for her that it just gets better. But it's our closeness to the Lord and our desire to be close to the Lord that makes, uh, makes her so beautiful. Just for, uh, because we're, we have just a few minutes, if I want to talk about being a dad, all of you have yeah. children, Brad has three, Sam and Helen has three daughters, Scott and Bethany, we, I mean, we just met your two boys, four children for you, uh, Chris and Laura, and I want to hear about you being a father, yeah. and yeah. Uh, all of us, uh, uh, Scott and I, Scott has kids at home, you have one at home, the three of us are empty nesters, basically. So we've had some time, we've had some tenure with this, we've had years and years of failure and practice. I would like to hear from each of you what you did right and what you wish you had done better as a dad. Just answer both those questions. What you did right yeah. and what you wish you had done better. Well, definitely Brady. Without a doubt, you know, Helen and I, I, I hope we lived honest and, you know, truthful lives in front of our kids, you know, and, we showed a lot of emotion, uh, you know, love. We showed a lot of affection for each other in front of our kids. Um, so they always felt secure in our relationship growing up. You know, they never had any question about that. Um, brought them to church. I mean, I love the church. They love the church. I'm, I'm thrilled to say that our three girls, they're all single. They're all involved in their churches. Our oldest daughter lives in Denver, and she attends her church faithfully. She attends small groups faithfully there. So, I, and again, you know, just 
thank you, Lord. And I know that's not always that easy, guys, but we've just been blessed to, to have that fruit. I was, I was sharing with Brady not long ago that I had such a privilege this year, and I'm trying to get emotional when I share this, but our oldest daughter, Kirsty, works in Denver. She's a very successful real estate um, young woman and, you know, works for a national company. And, and she said, Dad, would you hand in my uh, tax information, you know, my, my stuff to the accountant for my, for my taxes, you know, to file my taxes? And I said, sure. And so she left it at the house, and she was following up. Have you done that? No, I'll, I'll get to it. You know, it was like March she gave it to me. And I said, he's still doing corporate taxes. I'll get it to him next week. And when I was, file, when I was pulling all my own stuff together to hand in my tax work to my accountant, I just was going to slip it into her. She left this manila folder that was open. And I opened this folder up, and there's her giving statement at the top of the, um, I started to cry. When I saw what that young lady had given to the church so faithfully, I thought, wow. I took it in and I showed her mom. I said, look, Helen, look at this. What did we do right here? You know, she's tithing every penny. And I, it was a lot of money. I'm just going to say, I was blown away. It was more money than I made, I think, my first year in the business. She had tithed faithfully to her church. And she'd given to the building fund. They had this statement that showed giving to the building fund, tithing. And then behind that was all our other things, compassion kids and different causes that should give money to. It was like, wow. And the other kids are the same. Our, all our kids, you know, our kids, they're all, they're all generous and extremely. And I just say, thank you, Lord, for that gift. That, however that came about, I do not know. I mean, I guess, you know, we try to live by example, but I just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So, yeah. We still want to hear more about the kitchen. Just a moment. We'll come back to you. Go ahead, I'll hang Scott. out afterwards and tell you how it turned out. Yeah, my what I think of when I hear that is date nights with my kids. I and I got there was this series of questions that about every with four of them it takes a while to rotate through. But my kids would say they got to go on a one-on-one -on -one date every month, and I just my date night with Laura was Tuesday night, and the, with one of the kids was Thursday night. And occasionally, especially when they were younger, there was a series of questions that I would ask them, and then I would, I would actually take notes on their answers on these nights. And they would look forward sometimes to the nights where we're going to do the questions tonight. Can you give us a couple of questions? Or are they too private? Yeah, well, no, it's not too private, but it was, it's kind of a series of them that kind of progressed through some real, to some more deep things. But it, it went from... You know, how, how does, do I make you feel I love you? But then there, were, there was a way that I figured they would answer questions of how could I improve on things as well to get that out of them. Because a lot of times when you're having that experience with them, they don't want to tell you things you're doing wrong, you know, but if you're wanting to improve. So, so I, ha I have that list that I'd certainly be glad to share if there's some way or some interest. But, um, but yeah, I think that was... That was something that even to this day, we still go a lot. Of, I mean, Thursday nights on my calendar are still that, even with ones out of the house. It's not quite as regular as I wish it could be because uh, of their lives, but, but I would say that. And then, and then a few things for the, you said the opposite of that, something to improve on. With growing the business, you know, and, and all the demands of that, there were a few times I missed things that I shouldn't have missed, you know, and I... I actually was talking to my youngest daughter who is who's still at home in, in this realm and asked what something I could have done better. And, you know, she's kind of sheepish. Like, I don't really want to answer that. <laughs> and but one of the things was and I don't even remember this, but um, but I I was out of town on her birthday one time growing up. Well, she remembers that. And I'm like, and you can almost try to justify in your mind um, well, but how do you not do this work trip? Like, you have obligations and that kind of thing. But they do remember those things. And she did turn that around and say, but it was also little things that you did do that I also remember. So I think it's just those little things and patterns over time uh, that, that I think of with that. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I think we did right was um, we are, like, crazy about family dinners. Like, family dinners are gonna happen no matter what. And both my boys are multi-sport athletes, 
and we will eat dinner together at nine o'clock if we have to. But for us, that family dinner, we don't, we don't miss family dinners. And for us, one of the things we do is we go around the table and we just talk about highs and lows. And we've been doing this since they were in like first and third grade. Um, and for us, that was so important because you kind of get a really good vibe of like, okay, is this happening? Are these friend issues happening? And so that, that for us was huge. Um, when, we got these, when we got these questions, um, so we kind of could do a little preparing mentally, I was driving home and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna ask the guys which, you know, where maybe I, in the past, had not been a very good dad or where I had blown it. And unlike your daughter, my kids had no problem with piping right in on that. <laughs> um, but it was, it was interesting. I was like, because honestly, I was like, well, you know, I've been a pretty good dad. I mean, you know, I'm kind of going through all my, there's been a couple issues, but, and it took him no time at all. And Cole, Cole kind of spoke for both of them like he tends to do. And Cole said, Dad, you go from zero to 60 really fast. Like, you don't get mad very much. But when you do get mad, there's like no warm-up period. There's no, is dad getting mad? You just are like, ah oh, ha boom. And you're like, right there. Tear the kitchen up. Yeah, that's right. right. I wasn't angry when I did that. I was just being a man. So, um, but, so for me, that, that spoke a lot. We just had this conversation uh, after our elders meeting last week. And so for me, I thought, wow. And so I've been kind of digging into that. And, and I'll just encourage you guys, your, your kids are dying to be honest with you. I mean, you know, everybody says, oh, the teenage years are so hard and oh, they don't talk and they don't communicate. I, I personally have had more fun in their teenage years than ever. And a lot of that is because of those family dinners and saying, hey, I'm not a perfect dad. Tell me, tell me where I'm messing up. And, and that communication is awesome. I don't always agree with them. I just get really mad fast when I don't, I guess. Um, <laughs> but for me, that was really good. To, that was good to hear. I'm the oldest is gone next year, and I've got two more years with my baby, and, and that's that, and I'm an empty nester. Great. Fantastic. I think, I think parenting as teenagers, just one quick point, is a lot of, lot of parents get lazy when they get become, they, they, they think my teenagers don't need me as much when actually from about 12 to about 30, they need you more than they've ever needed you in their life. And if you've built a relationship with them when they were tiny, when they were little, that, there's no reason why the teenage years, I always said this, always drove me nuts when people, when I would tell people the ages of my kids, like, well, Abram's 12 and Callie's 10. Well, those teenage years are ahead. You better enjoy them now. I, that, that really aggravated me because I never spoke that over my kids. My kids are going to be fantastic. I used, I used to look back at people and go, no, my kids are going to be fantastic teenagers. My relationship with them is never going to be stronger than, than during their teenage years, and we're going to have a blast during their teenage years, and we did. And I think whatever you expect, you usually get. And whatever you have prepared for, you're usually going to reap the rewards of that. So if you invest in when they were tiny, you're going to get fruit back when they're teenagers. And I, well done, guys. I, I, want, I want tonight... Um, to pray a prayer blessing over you tonight. Can we just all stand tonight? Stand up and I hope this has been good. I think we need to do this again. Can we just kind of scratch the service tonight? So much good stuff. But I want to honor the time tonight but I, and, I, but I, and I want to leave time for this. I want tonight uh, for those of us in the room that are married um, and maybe you're here tonight and your marriage is not what you hear on the stage. Maybe it's been a long time since you've held your wife's hand and prayed. And I'm just, I think tonight, that, that was the moment where I realized uh, I need to do this better. Pam and I do pray together. But I think there, tonight, I think some of you need to go home, take your wife by the hand, and pray blessings over her tonight before you go to bed. And maybe you, you came here upset with her, or aggravated with her. I believe tonight, if you'll take what you just heard these men say and go back home tonight and put it into practice, hold her hand and pray life over her. Pray blessings over her. And if she doesn't pray back for you, that's not, the, that's not the reason that you're doing that. You're praying to speak life over her. And I promise you, if you'll do that until this coming, do it every night until Sunday and come tell me if it didn't make any difference in your home. It'll change the atmosphere of your home. So, Sam, would you just pray over the man? If you're here tonight, uh, I, I want us to be vulnerable. You heard these guys be very vulnerable. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Brady, um, I, need, I want my marriage to be better. I, I want it to thrive. Uh, I'm not happy with where we are. I believe the Lord has something more for my marriage, and I'm asking God to do more in my marriage than is happening now. That seems like everybody in the room should raise their hand, but let, I just want you to raise your hand if you'll acknowledge, I need God to do some more in my marriage. I want God to be more present in my marriage. Yes. 
Yes. And Sam, would you just pray over the men as our hands are up today? Would you pray a, a Father's Father, blessing? Father, I just thank you so much for the marriage relationship and how sacred and how special that is to you and the covenant that we make and the relationships that we build together, Lord. I just pray that you would bless every marriage represented in this place tonight. And we know that the enemy comes in and he tries to destroy marriages. We just come against him right now in Jesus' name. And we bind him and we release love and joy and wholeness into every marriage in this room, Father. That families will have fun together. That they will laugh together. That we will enjoy each other. Lord, I just pray for someone here tonight that has lost the desire for his wife. Or his wife has lost her desire for him. That you would stir up a desire within their heart right now in Jesus' name. Yes, right now within her heart and a love for her husband as she would turn towards her husband, that he would turn towards his wife and realize what an amazing gift you have blessed him or her with, Father. We just thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here tonight, of hearing these amazing words of wisdom, encouragement. And we just pray, Lord, again, for your blessing upon every relationship in this yeah. room tonight. Brad, I want to pray over the men in the room yes. who, um, who want to finish well with their adult kids and their grandkids. I want to pray over the men in the room who want to get to where Brad is with the blessings of the Lord. So I just want you to pray over grandfathers. I want you to pray over the men in the room who, who are wrestling with their adult kids, maybe here tonight, and your kids are out of the, your home, that your relationship with them is broken. I just felt tonight, if you'll just pray tonight for the, the men in the room who are wrestling with their adult kids, and they want to finish well. They want to finish well with their grandkids. Raise your hand if that's you tonight. I just want to see who I'm talking. I just felt strongly about that. A lot of guys out in the room tonight. Just pray, pray life and blessings over them. Precious Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be here tonight with so many of your children, your men, Father God. And Father God, each of them have needs, Father God. Each of them have struggles, Father God. And I pray a blessing over each and every one of them. And for those who uh, are worried about their kids, Father God, I know that they will return to their parents at some yes. time. Because I know by your uh, bringing our son back to us, Father God, that, that uh, it is your desire for them to be blessed. And Father God, I pray for the grandparents uh, Father God, that your life is not over or you empty nests. Your life is not over now. It is just beginning. You want to strive for the goal. You want to finish strong. And so the Lord wants you to get invest in your grandchildren. If you have no grandchildren, invest, find a way to invest in the youth, Father God, to be able to mentor them, Father God, and stay active, Father God. First, draw near to, to you. I pray that they'll each draw near to you, and then as they draw near to you, they will bless them, the youth around them, bless their family, Father God. Out of the Holy Spirit, I pray blessings, blessings, blessings over these men. In Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, I want you, uh, Chris, to pray over men in the room who own their own business. You have an anointing on that. Uh, you Maybe you have an entre a desire to be entrepreneurial. Maybe there's a, you, you're trying to start something. Maybe you're in a position where you're, you're trying to find the courage to launch out and to say yes to what God has in your life. Chris, I want you to pray. He's, this guy is entrepreneur of entrepreneurs. This guy has really done the hard work of launching, and I just feel like there's a blessing on your prayer tonight. Raise your hand if you're in the room. You own your own business. You, you have a desire to do that. You're an entrepreneur. There's something in you that you know God's going to launch you out into. Would you just raise your hand and uh, let's pray, pray blessings over these men tonight. God, I do ask that you would bless the men in this room who have their business yes. or have a desire for that. And I ask that you would help them to be ultimately to see very clearly what obedience looks like in your eyes for what they're doing with that and that the people who work there, they would treat well. I also want to ask, though, for their family, for their marriages, for their kids, that that wouldn't get in the way of that and they would maintain a really good balance between that calling, but also the calling to be a husband and a father or a grandfather. Uh, and 
And so I, I ask your blessing on them in Jesus' name. Yes. Scott, pray, pray over guys in the room that have teenage, teenage boys and teenage daughters and, and little ones at their house. You're in the middle of that right now, and you're, you're just really pastor your boys, and you're such a good dad to your teenage boys. How many of you have teenagers in the house? Come on, raise all the dads of teenagers. All right, leave your hand up, because I think the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you right now, okay? So, because I'm just telling you, it's, this, could be a, this is going to be a great time for you. Your teenagers are going to be blessed. I want to speak over you. Your teenagers are not going to be rebellious. They're going to love God. They're going to thrive. Scott, just pray over them today. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the blessing of children. We thank you for the blessing of them coming out of the womb and the instant love and passion that we feel for them, Lord. And Lord, as kids get older and they go through different trials, I just pray for every man in this room that they just come alongside their kids in a supernatural way, yeah. that they remember that you're the Abba Father, you are the true Father, and yeah. all we can do is pray for the Holy Spirit to come through us so that we can talk to our kids, so that we can care for our kids, so we can love our kids. Lord, I pray over every man in this room that has a teenage daughter or teenage son, Lord, just give them a renewed passion. Give them a renewed passion for their children. If they, they want to sit and watch a movie, let them sit with them, even if they don't want to. If they're in sporting events, let them go to their practices. That's really, really where they really notice you, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray just a new enthusiasm, just a refreshing of their spirit, Lord Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit just comes through them so that their teenagers are asking, what's different about Dad, and why is he spending so much time with me, Lord Jesus? We love you, God, and we're so thankful for the blessing of teenagers. We're thankful that you put us as teenagers before they, and this is nothing new for us, Lord Jesus. So just encourage them, Lord, fill them with your spirit, and just give us tender, tender hearts to our amazing teenagers. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we thank these guys? Thank you for sharing your story. Come on up, Pastor Gabe. Thank you, guys. All right, that was so rich, so thankful for each of you. The last thing we want to highlight here on your way out is I want to uh, ask our fire team leaders just to go to the back of the room. We've got tables set up in the back of the room. And I want you to hear this. There is, if you're a part of New Life, or even if you're not a part of New Life, you are still uh, invited and encouraged to plug in to these fire team men's groups. There is no reason to go at life alone. We all need men in the trenches with us who know us, who are spurring us on. And so uh, before you go, if you have been interested in getting connected into a men's group, a fire team, don't leave before you go and you talk to some of these guys. You can ask questions, find out when and where they meet. They're meeting all, literally all over the city on different days. There's no excuses. And so I just want you to hear there is a place for you to grow and belong. And so before you go, uh, make sure you stop by and, and talk to these guys. So if you guys enjoyed tonight, hasn't that been so good? Well, it was so good to see you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. We'll see you soon. God bless.